This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. It's the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories. Hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Here on episode 70, we're at Square Body Syndicate World Headquarters, and we're talking to Kevin Whips of Whips Industries and the author of How to Restore Your Chevy Truck, 1973 to 87. podcast. I'm Brian and I'm uh, here uh, kind of, uh, well I'm doing it solo this week from Square Body Syndicate where they're doing a, uh, a one and done on Joe's, uh, Yezzy, Joe's, Jesus, on Joe's uh, diesel crew cab and I'm sitting here with Kevin Whips from Whips Industries. How are you man? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing great man, it's good to finally have you on. Yeah I know right, we've known each other kind of like through the grapevine for like, a couple of years now. That's... And then... And yeah. funny, we literally just shook hands today for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for I think the first time. So yeah. that's it's pretty good, man. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like you're a huge part of this community. Yeah. Like, well, I, I mean, I do what I can. Yeah, sure. You are. <laughs> don't 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 downplay it, man. You're <laughs> every year, like especially like on uh, for some of our listeners. Uh, I know we bring over. We're starting to bring over some C10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll probably recognize your logo from like Dino's get down poster. Yeah, I did uh, did some stuff with Dino uh, with Whip Sticker Co. when we had that. Um, I also do a lot of writing for Street Trucks and C10 Builder, uh, and then I have the the book out also on uh, restoring seventy three to eighty sevens. Right on. So now, presently, are you write, you're working on another book, right? Yeah. So the Square Body book came out last year in May ish, I want to say, and then I started on the book for sixty seven to seventy twos. Uh, and that is in the editing process right now. So my editor has it. If I, you know, if he needs extra stuff, he'll come to me. From what I understand, that book should be out around May of next year, also maybe awesome. Christmas time. And then I've got another book that uh, I should be starting soon on how to put air suspension on pretty much anything. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. That's, that's a needed thing too. I mean, because that. Well, I I I have a buddy of mine who has a. Uh, 73 Mercedes, right? It's the one with the stacked headlights on them. Right. Super cool car, and they look sweet laid out. And but he he knows nothing about airbags. He sees he sees laid out cars on Instagram. Says I want airbags. I know that, but I don't know what I need. And that was right around the time that you know I finished the other book, and the publisher's like, "Well, we've thought about doing something on air suspension." And I thought, "Well, this is it's it, it's asking it's answering all the questions he would ask." Um, and so that's. That's what I like about the concept. So I'm very, very like touching the waters and, and getting it done right now. So I've only done a little bit of it, but we'll see how it goes. Well, very cool. That, you just brought up a really cool idea, though. Yeah. What, what if you wrote a whole series of books where you take somebody who just has a passing interest in something? Oh, yeah. I'd love to do it with like body work like that. Yeah. You know, body work and go, dude, we're going to learn from ground zero. Yeah. And, and so the company that I work with for those is uh, CarTech Books, and they do have some books like that that are kind of... Um, because when I was asking him about it, I said, you know, what, what, all right, let me back up. The basic premise of these books with the Restore series is that they'll be out for like 10 years, right? right. So there's a pretty long tail on them. They're, they're, you know, sold in Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that kind of stuff. Uh, with the more specific stuff, like the how to put air suspension, it'll also be 10 years, but it could be longer depending on whether or not the stuff gets dated or not. For example, they have a book, he said, on rebuilding Rochester carburetors. Right, which is super detailed. <laughs> yeah, super detailed, A to B. He said they've had it out for like 15 years or something, and its and its sale numbers don't go down. Like, it's just consistent all the way across the board. Maybe, you know, it's a classic car market, things like that. Yeah. Or maybe there's a whole contingent of people out there who are, you know. I want to have like a Thermojet one. Yeah, That'd yeah. be great, like for the guys with, you know, citations. Yeah, and some of them, they will get, like, you know, they have a Turbo 350 rebuilding book. They have a uh, 700R4 rebuilding book. You know, they'll... They'll they'll drill down into the weeds on it, and every time I think, oh, they can't they can't do that. There's there's that's too narrow a field. No, they've got stuff like it. So holy cow. Yeah, and and there's talk. I that that if I hadn't done 
uh, picked up the air suspension book. The other two options were uh, Blazers, just 67 to 91, I think. So like, you know, the squares and the 67 to 72. And then uh, either that or 60 to 66s. But I don't know enough people right now building either. And most of the people I know do patina stuff. They don't do paint, and paint's a big part of these books. So uh, that's why I haven't quite jumped on that yet. But I would like to complete the C10 trifecta, get the 60 to 66 done at a minimum. That would be cool. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd still have to see. Like, see I'm just going to keep throwing the ideas now. Yeah. I thought you'd see the idea podcast. Like yeah. The, the patina, you know, aficionado book. Wouldn't that be a great coffee table book? Oh, yeah, with, with all the we photos. We just gave and that stuff. away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that out of there. Look at that. Tina walks in. That's nice. <laughs> so, oh, I know. Tina's going to stop. Are we recording? Yeah. We're, we're recording. Oh. Of course we are. Say hi. What's up? Sorry, it's man. Dino Badalona. Come on, so, dude. What's up, faces? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, was it Candyman? You say his name in the mirror or whatever? You say Patina. <laughs> you say Patina and Dino shows up. <laughs> so, how oh, good. Well, okay, that'd be a. I don't want to make that kind of a uh, a segue, but uh, let's let's go going backwards in time. Yeah. Uh, how did you get started in the whole thing? What was your first interest in anything uh, automotive? So in um, in the mid '90s, I turned 16 and I bought my or I got my first car, which was a '88 Daihatsu Charade. Right, my my folks got it for me because they said it looked just like a Civic, and that's what I wanted at the time. <laughs> Uh, and so I, um, I needed a stereo for it and I needed to put speakers in the dash and the speakers were like three and a half or something oh, to get geez. to the speakers. You had to take out the entire dashboard. So, you know, I was 16. I, I didn't know any of this stuff. I just said, screw it. I'll take it apart. So I pulled the dash out of the car and put in the speakers and put it all back in by the end of the day. And I, when I was a, a real little, I used to love Lego. And so I put it together, I go, wow, cars are just big Legos, essentially, that I got to take apart with tools. So I really enjoyed the process of it. Uh, after that, I built a 94 Toyota pickup. And then the car that uh, kind of got me known was a Civic. It was a 96 Honda Civic that was a uh, house color limetime green and had hydraulics on it and a bunch of stuff like that. And it was well known because I had cut it up to make it lay. So it laid body, and that wasn't a common thing on a Civic. It was on the cover of the first issue of Import Racer, and then it was on the cover of Lowrider Euro. And right after the photo shoot, literally on the drive back, a um, buddy of mine was in the passenger seat, got a leg cramp, stretched, hit one of the switches, and the car went into the, into the median, flipped on its lid, and was totaled. Now, the car had a roll cage, and it had a bunch of stuff like that, but um, it was gone. And so um, that kind of made the car extra legendary. And then I built a, uh, I built a Ford Focus after that, and a Silverado in 04 that um, got some coverage that was blue. Uh, and my 95 was my last really big build. But I guess along the way, I started writing for these magazines. I wrote the first article that I ever had a car in. Like my, my first article in Import Racer, I wrote it. They reframed it differently, but I, I wrote the article and then you know, as I started doing more stuff for them, then I started doing stuff for Lowrider Euro and for all these different people. So I've been kind of embedded since then. And I got into the C10 stuff when I met Dino in 08. The, um, I got a call from Travis, who I think was the editor at the time at Street Truck. And he said, hey, I got this guy who you got to meet. He's in Phoenix. I need you to shoot his house. I'm like, shoot his house? <laughs> Like why I I shoot cars it's the wrong magazine right? yeah yeah what do you want me to do so he's like no, no no I want you to go to his house and shoot his house you'll understand so I went over to his house and I'm like oh crap this Dino guy this this stuff's amazing so you know we did this whole shoot and then he said hey I'm having an event I happen to be around good guys he goes I'm having this event it's my first time doing it we're calling it the get down it's in my backyard you want to come by so I did that's how I met Sam Sam Casternova. Uh, the time I met a bunch of other people there. Um, and I think that was 08, maybe 09, maybe it was 2010. Either way, somewhere around there, right after I met all them and I did a bunch of shoots and I met Delmo and all those people, I kind of took a break from magazines because magazines were kind of taking a break from paying people. So, 
So since I wasn't getting paid, I wasn't going to do any free work. Right. And then I get a call from Kevin Aguilar a couple of years later. I think it was 2013. He's like, hey, are you, uh, are, you, are you still writing for magazines? I said, are you paying people? And he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I go, I'm, I'm here for you. Do you have an accounts payable department? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you send me a check? <laughs> yeah, then I'm fine. So I, I got back into it and I started doing stuff with these guys. And um, I met Joe around that time. Joe, uh, same kind of thing, actually. Uh, Aguilar's like, hey, I want you to shoot Joe's house, and I want you to do a profile on Joe. So I did, and then we, uh, I wrote the article on Syndicate Series 01 and uh, a couple other miscellaneous things here and there. And Joe also, around that same time, was when I started on the Square Body book, and Joe was a huge help with that. I mean, I was in this garage all the time. You had to like, live here for that. That's... Yeah, because we did all the suspension stuff, and it wasn't on 01 either, because the the build and restore books, you don't want them custom, so we were working on uh, Green Beans, which was a 73 that he had at the time, so he was doing drum brakes and disc brake conversion and, you know, cleaning up the frame, a bunch of stuff like that. All those things really helped out, so, and, you know, since then, I've just met a bunch of people, and, you know, you go to events like this, you meet people you don't know. Oh yeah, these and it's such a great group of people. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird like we we had a talk at one time on the podcast where the other two guys are from Southern California. That's the birthplace of the whole thing. Sure. They always look at Arizona as being this like dreamland, and it's funny because it's so different. It's more like a family here. Yeah. Like there, it's this weird kind of hobby thing. Mm-hmm. Every place else in the country, it's you know it's a hobby and it might be you might border into a friendship thing. Mm-hmm. It's a weird kind of it's. Like a really close-knit family out here. Yeah, and when I was... So I used to be in car clubs, right? And um, I started my own car club, and I was in one called Relaxed Atmosphere for a long time, and Relaxed was, and still is, uh, based in Southern California. And I'd have friends out there, and yeah, I I did notice. I was like, wow, it's different. Now, they were a family, right? They're little Southern California Relaxed, and they would invite us in, and we would go with them, and, you know, whatever. Um, But I did notice the broader scene was just so... I. I guess it's just that there were so many different things going on. You have your lowrider culture, you have your C10 culture, you have your custom car culture, which may or may not intersect with mini trucks. You know, you, right. you it, it, it's such a diverse mix out there. And since it's so damn big too, I mean, it's not like like LA and Orange County and Temecula and all this kind of stuff. It's just a huge area, thousands of people. That's and it's funny too. That's like I said, but out here it's really strange. Mm-hmm. If you know one person. Cancer, they know someone else, and everybody, at some point, it all just comes back together. Oh, yeah. When I went to, um, so I didn't know Kyle from Metalock, right? I didn't know him. I had heard just of him. Just met him today, so. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know him, but I had, I had heard about him, and I, who did I ask? I think I asked Ronnie at C10 Talk, and I asked him, hey, so uh, I know there's a guy who's doing long bed to short bed conversions, and you hook me up with him. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll send you his number. So I call Kyle, and I'm I'm like, hey, so uh, mind if I come by the shop sometime and check it out? I came down, talked to him. Like two weeks later, they started on Cameron's truck. They started doing a short bed conversion on their uh, his 69. That turned into a huge section of my book. Had he painted that truck, it could have been the book. Like it, he did so much stuff to it that it really, really filled in a lot of gaps. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's a, a small community. You start to meet people and it just branches out. Crazy. It's it's funny too. It's like it's so far outside of where kind of I went in my in my career. My career sort of went this weird pro touring direction. Sure. Yeah. I just became like that guy. I was like the go to guy. If you want a car drawn or designed, you go to Brian from Right. And with the Dino thing, I met him through Sam. And Sam goes, You gotta meet Dino. Said, Who's Dino? I said I know his trucks, I've seen yeah. him around. Yeah. And greatest guy in the world. Met mm-hmm. him. And that started off the whole like doing the get down posters. And all this other stuff, and that led into this weird kind of like I almost got adopted in. Yeah. And I'm a Dodge guy. Yeah. So it's weird for me. I'm like I, yeah. you know, I show up and I try to pay how when I pulled up because Brody's like, "How'd you park that here?" And I was like, oh, "I want to class up the back lot." Oh, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I had a, I had a Tundra for a while. Um, I didn't get too much grief for that because it was one of the big three. But when I went looking for new trucks, I went, "Okay, well, I definitely can't buy a Ford. I definitely can't do that." <laughs> I've owned one Ford and I didn't really like it, but still I was like, no, I can't own a Ford. I got to buy a Chevy. Otherwise I will get grief from everybody. 
<laughs> That's where I'm at for the next one. It's going to have to be, I have to go back to Chevy. And I was brought up in a Chevy household. Mm -hmm. My dad was a Chevy parts man by trade. Oh, yeah. So for me, everything was always Chevy. Mm -hmm. It was easy to get parts for and we could work on. So, but I was like when, when you know, they'd have a friend come over. I had to shut the door to my room because there's Mopar stuff in it. Like, yeah. We can't do that. It's like, <laughs> you go, go hide up in the, the attic someplace. <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't, when I was getting into stuff, it was mostly imports. Like, you know, I, I bought my Civic in 96, I think. And so, take in mind, like, Fast and Furious came out in, like, 99, 98. This, this, that side of the car culture where it was custom cars that were fast was a huge thing. But I was kind of stuck because I built my mini truck and I... I started dipping my toes into the import scene with the Civic, meaning that it was going that direction. Right. Like I had these badges from Europe. I was trying to build like a, like the SIR version, which like three people will understand the reference. But anyways, the point is, is that's what I was looking for. And then I started noticing more guys kind of going mini truck again with their cars. And I said, why am I fighting who I am? I like cars that are low. I like them that, you know, I like stuff that lays on the ground. And uh, I like it custom. Why am I? Why am I fighting that? So, I, so I, you know, went full bore into the Civic, and then over the next couple of years, you know, really went to town on it. That's really cool. So, what what led you that way? I know, like a lot of guys. Um, and it's just funny. I, I, I'm always interested in what took somebody one direction over another. Like mm. you get almost. Well, okay, let's go back a little further. Sure. We into BMX at all as a kid? Nope. I That's, had a BMX bike. But I wasn't into but it. But and it's funny. There's there's like a really weird connection that goes. It seems like almost every builder mm -hmm. started off racing BMX. Yeah, yeah, no, bro, he's huge into it. Like, I mean, exactly. Yeah. So in this community too, you got it. But like in the hot rod community, almost any builder you talk to started with BMX. Well, I think for me it was two things. Um, my dad. So I grew up in Massachusetts, and my dad bought a. Uh, I always forget the year. It's either a seventy or seventy two. E-Type Jag. That is the one with the 12-cylinder, mm -hmm. six carburetors, I think, four or six carburetors. Like crazy difficult to tune. Huge front clip, and it was a coupe. It was an E-Type coupe. Great car, really cool, and I started appreciating the older car from that, right? And I was 10 or 11 when he got that car. We moved out here, and all of a sudden he hated it. It broke down all the time because the carbs always had to be tuned. And then uh, we have curbs in Arizona. And in Massachusetts, we have sloping driveways, right. things so low in the front that it was difficult to be able to get up the driveway. And of course, my dad, not my dad being my dad, he wouldn't take things at an angle. He'd go straight at it. So <laughs> it's know. an East Coast thing, though. It's funny. It I, is. I mean, I grew up back in back east. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Sure. So almost the identical yeah kind of climate and everything. And that's the thing. If you watch somebody from the East Coast back out of a driveway, it's never at an angle. Yeah, it's, it's always a straight. Out. straight more mm -hmm. straight. It's, yeah, it's a and funny you, thing you, to think about. Yeah, you catch the front lip on the. And yeah, anyways, so uh, my um, my dad had that car, and I really appreciated it. And then I um, when I went to high school, I, so I went to high school in Scottsdale, which is where I live now. And there was uh, there was a, there was a custom car community there as well, just at my school. And it wasn't like anything crazy, but you know, there's there was the stuff that was around in the '90s. There were VW guys, and there were guys with you know lifted blazers and stuff. But there was one dude who had a, it was an 88 to 98 Chevy. I went to high school 90 through 94, so it would have been somewhere within those years. He had bought it off of somebody, it was like a year old, and I think either Dino's or, uh, what was the name of the other shop? There was another shop down here who used to build stuff for Sport Truck Magazine back in the day. And he had one of those, and it was, it was a black extra cab, 92 let's say, with a white, uh, like it looked like like a like a killer whale had a white cut out in the front that was kind of rounded and then two little purple scallops off of that. I love that truck, and I did not have the money to buy a truck like that. Like I just didn't. So when uh, a couple of my friends started getting mini trucks and I started thinking that was an option, I ended up finding I could get a deal on a Toyota. And so I bought that Toyota. When I went to college, went to U of A uh, my freshman year. Uh, and when I was down in Tucson, I met two people in two different car clubs. One of them was in Severed Ties. Uh, one of them was in, uh, I forget the name of the club. Severed Ties at the time was like two years old. It wasn't an old club. So I met the girl who was in Severed. We went up to Phoenix. I hung out with the club a couple of times. The other club, meanwhile, handed me this stack of rules, like an inch and a half thick. Like, you can't do this. You can't do that. 
And I was like, Stafford doesn't care what I do. This guy like wants to give me rules for my life. Screw this, I'm going with Stafford. And so you start hanging around with guys in a car club like that. You start learning how to do the things. You know, we lowered my truck some more one weekend. We cut out the fenders. I, you know, took it to a little bob for a roll pan. Like you just, all of a sudden you start meeting all these people and it expands out and expands out. And soon I was just, I moved back up to Phoenix shortly after and I was, I was just in it. And I was hard for a year. I was in, I was at every, was at every pavilions event. And 35th Avenue was a thing. I was there every goddamn weekend I could be. Like I was there all the time. And it was at the, I, I think the thing for me back then was it was about ego. I was, I wanted people to like me. Uh, and right. so I was always showing off my stuff. And, and as I have apologized for a million times in person, I was kind of an asshole back then. I mean, just point blank. <laughs> I, I was kind of a jerk. And uh, I, I, I was just focused on me. But eventually, all that kind of came to a head around 99, 2000. And I, I realized that I needed to change. And I did. I changed my life. And, you know, um, things went down a different path. But yes, it, it, it started for me because of the mini truck stuff, because of Severed and meeting all those people. That's how it then expanded out to go from there. And I guess I got into Chevy's because, so I, okay, so after Severed, I was in this club called Acrophobia, right? I still have my Civic, or I started with my Toyota, then I have my Civic. And there was a guy who pulled up to one of our meetings one night, it was a 98 extra cab or something he had, extra cab Chevy, and uh, he had come from having a Nissan hard body. And he says, uh, he says, look, I can't, I can't reach the other door from me sitting in the seat. Like, I can't reach all the way across. He's like, that's amazing. And I went, wow, that is really cool. And I kind of started falling in love with full sizes then. And then I eventually got my 01 Sierra back in 02, 03 or something like that. Very cool. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's my rambling response to But no, that's awesome. That's, that, that, that's, that's why I, I love to hear it that way, because that really gets you in. I mean, I'm always interested in what, what path somebody took. We get some guys who start off with totally into the import thing. Mm -hmm. and it seems to be an age thing, too. Yeah. Like, like you said, you were you were what, 16 and... In 92, 92. I'm 43 now. Yeah. Holy cow. So you were like right at that point when it went from... The mini truck thing was really starting to pick up because you had... Sport trucks were huge. Mm -hmm. The mini started to hit really big. That's how... I mean, back east, that's how it went. Mm -hmm. and it went into like the, uh, the lower and import stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was really huge. Well, I remember... So I, I had started a car club after Severn Acrophobia. I started a car club called uh, Exiles. I think it was in 97. And I remember we had two distinct sections. We had import guys and mini truck guys. And they always kind of butted heads, but not really. So like, you know, our clubs change members all the time. So sometimes we'd lead more mini, sometimes we'd lead more whatever. And I was the guy trying to like reach both sides. But I remember going to my friend Chris's house who was opening up his import shop and we would sit on his couch and we could talk about the Fast and the Furious movie that was coming out that was supposed to, you know, wow, we're going to see our culture come out on the screen. That's going to be huge, right? Um, and I remember talking about how, like, what we were doing seemed to be like a real thing. Like, now it was real. Um, before it was just, you know, guys hanging out at Pavilion, but now it was a real deal. Um, yeah, that was a real interesting time. I, I, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's one of those things that can ever be replicated. You know what I mean? That was a, that was its own era. There was a, yeah. and it's to look at it now, and go. I mean, as big as the whole uh, the custom car scene is, it is, and it's a blanket term, I guess, to, to mm -hmm. cover everything. There was a different atmosphere. It was a little different, and mm -hmm. to look back, and it's not just. I don't know if it's just that maybe you get that little sheen of like um, nostalgia. Yeah, and I wonder too if it's part that I've just aged out of whatever the next thing is. Right? right, like I'm just not aware of it because I don't hang out and do that stuff. I've got a wife and kids and you know responsibilities. One of the pain in the ass things about being an adult. Uh, but my my uh, like pavilions was a thing, like a real thing. You were going to pavilions Saturday night. That is happening, and there and you would line up in front of Home Depot and you would show off whatever you had. People would work all week on projects just so they could show it off in front of everybody. Yeah. And I think it was also time in my life when I, you know, I was single, I was in my early 20s, and I had zero responsibilities. I, you know, I had nothing to do other than work on my car and work odd jobs. At, you know, I was working at Best Buy, you know, I 
what the hell else do I have to do with my life? So that was, that was what I did. And you're right. I do wonder about how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is, because I'll tell you right now, the other day, <laughs> the other day I was on Craigslist because that's what we do. And I saw, I was just like, let me look up 94 Toyota pickups, like the one I had in high school. And I found one in Tucson with 90,000 original miles in really good shape with every option you could get on those trucks in a standard cab. And that's what I had for 5,500. Now in 1994, I bought mine for 10. So the fact that it's 5,500 is pretty amazing. But, uh, but at the same time, it's 5,500 and it's got 90,000 original miles and it's 20 years old or 25 years old now. But I was like, I don't have a place for it. I, I don't have room for a Toyota in my life. Like, I, what I are you going to do with it? It's just yeah, going to sit. It's going to sit there and I'm going to go look at, look at how great my past was. Yeah, if I could find a forest green one, that'd be it. Then I'd be like, all right, I'm sorry, honey. The kids aren't eating this month. I'm buying that truck. Yeah. yeah there's, there's other ways to do college. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the kids will be fine. That's, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm in this weird thing now where my kid is just hitting driving age. Mm -hmm. 15 and a half. So, you know, and, and being the single dad guy, you know, I mean, I live with this kid every day. He's around the car thing, so he's kind of burnt on it. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, I was like, we're going to build you the coolest ever car. We're going to find something super low buck when it's really cool, patina it out. We're going to do this El Camino. We had this idea. One day we're sitting at dinner. He goes, I really don't like the El Camino. And my heart kind of just broke. I'm like, yeah, oh, my kid is not a car guy. He goes, I really like Volkswagen GTIs. Mm. Spark goes off in the back of my head. I thought, okay, this is really cool. Yeah. Well, my girlfriend says, well, I'm going to get rid of my Volvo. She's got this little Volvo C30. Mm. They're cool as hell, like little shooting brakes, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Your car? He goes, yeah. I goes, Work a deal. I get the car. Now we're in this point where we're making it look like a really early 90s kind of SoCal car. Yeah. Doing all kinds of trick little stuff. You know, little graphics down low and everything. Yeah. But I could redrill the hubs on that thing for like Fuchs wheels. Yeah. And make it look really cool like that. But I'm to the point where I'm like, man, okay, now I'm trying to balance this weird thing where I'm going, is it his project car? Or is it tip over the line where all of a sudden it becomes dad's project car? Where I'm like, we can live for six months on mac and cheese. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we uh my son is nine and we have a I have an eighty one Chevy at home. And I have not really started on it. Um, you know, the books take up a lot of time and you know, between that and everything else, there's priorities. And he'll ask me, he's like, Dad, I wanna work on the I wanna work on the truck and I'm like, I I wanna work on it too. I really do. I want you to love that kind of stuff the way I do. But I've had the similar realization that he may gravitate a different direction than I naturally do. He may be into Volkswagens, he may be into imports or whatever. And I, I was uh, a buddy of mine ha is um, in the German folks, which is a, a VW club, very specific VW club too. They like their cars a very specific way, and they're beautiful, but they're very specific. And his son, uh, he's into Porsches. Similar but different, right? Adjacent right. things. And then his son was helping somebody with their Civic the other day. And I thought about how me and his dad were working on my Civic back in the day, right? So I thought, you know what? Look, if he's into cars, he's into cars. If he likes them bigger, cool. Likes them lower, cool. Whatever. He's going to make mistakes and screw things up. That's what I did. I'm lucky I didn't die half the times. I mean, rolling a car out in the middle of the desert. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's not a fun phone call to make, um, especially in the pre-cell phone days or or I had a cell phone anyway. Yeah, how far did you have to walk? Uh, well, so, okay, so it was 11, so let me really paint the picture. 11 o'clock <laughs> at night, there's that drive between Phoenix and LA where it's just nothing for a stretch, right? I've done that drive a million times. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually, I like it to a point. Yeah, but I've also... That's another weird nostalgia thing, though. You yeah. love it when you're not doing it. Right, right. I leave it like two, so when I get out near Palm Springs, the sun's coming up, mm -hmm. and you paint this picture, and you're driving, you're like, I hate this. Yeah. So, well, well, so there's that stretch in between Blythe and there's the prison right out right. there, right? Okay. So the next time you go, take a look at the median. The median dips down all the way, like from Phoenix on, the median is a, is a trench, essentially. And somewhere around after Blythe, there's like a two-mile stretch where it's flat. That's where I roll. So, well, it could have gone really ugly. Yeah, I know, right? So my buddy hit a corner. What he did, the switch he hit was... He saw opposite corners because I had four pumps in the car, which means I could do as many switches as I want. I had 16 switches because 
one has to have 16 switches for the bitches in your hood because it's 1998 <laughs> and I really, I'm still an NWA More fan. More switches are better. Right. right. Okay. But I had an on-off switch on my dashboard so I could turn them off. I guess the on-off switch was on. That's the only thing I've been able to figure out since. And so we hit this, this switch that went opposite corner. So basically my front left went down, my rear right went up. And in the back of a Civic, the, the suspension goes, when you're down, it's negative camber. When you're up, it's, it's straight. And then when you're locked up further, it goes positive or it goes positive toe. So now, and I was changing lanes. So as soon as I start changing lanes, my back end kicks out and now I'm sliding in the middle. I was doing like 80. I was sliding into the median. It caught a rock on a wheel and it kicked it onto the roof. Now, car had a roll cage and I had a five point harness, but my buddy didn't have a seatbelt on. Now, my buddy also had been in two rollovers. So he put his hands on the roll cage and as it was spinning around, and then he like pulled his hands away, but he kind of like the car kind of rolled around him. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So like I ended up upside down. He ended up sitting um, on the roof and I had a sliding ragtop and the ragtop was open, so he was sitting in the sand. So. That, was, that would have been perfect timing a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, it was, it was good times. We were probably listening to something similar. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, as long as my son enjoys it, that's, and you know, my daughter too, as long as both of them enjoy it, that's cool with me. And you know, I, I've also had to accept the fact just growing up, I'm a Star Wars fan. My daughter loves Star Wars, but son's not really into it. The Harry Potter stuff, I was literally last night trying to get both of them into it. My daughter seems into it, my son not so much. Really? You know what? Similar but different. He likes video games. I like video games, but we like different video games. So, yeah. That's funny. I mean, and, but it, I, and I'm learning too. I was really depressed at first. I was like, oh, he's going to be so into this. And like, my kid, just the car thing just wasn't him. Yeah. You know, and he goes, I mean, he gets excited because, you know, it, when it's get down time, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of his thing. He's like, that's really cool. He gets to wander around. Mm -hmm. He's gotten to know everybody over the years. It's really cool. And I love that. You get that little, that little dad yeah. thing where you're going, it's my boy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I'm learning it's not such a bad thing. Like, my parents were really big Tri-5 people. Mm -hmm. Love that stuff. They lived it, ate it, breathed it. That's a generational thing, too. It, I just couldn't do it. I think part of it is, part of it is you want that connection to your youth, right? And so for your folks, I imagine Tri-5 stuff might have been their teenage years or somewhere and around And it was there. like that, I think it was that right before driving age, that when you're... You really pay attention. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, hell, right before my driving age, all I really wanted, I wanted like a, I wanted to get like, you know, an 85 Hurst Old. Mm -hmm. To me, that was like the great car. I was like, mm -hmm. that'd be cool. Or like a, a T-Type. Yeah. Something like that would have been awesome. Yeah, because when I was growing up, my mom had a 82 Suburban, right? I was one of my first cars. I had an yeah. 82 pickup. So. Yeah, and I, I, I have fond memories of that. But any custom square bodies back then, None of them laid out even. The front end would sit first because it would be the cross member and then nobody would see it. That wasn't really a thing that was done that often. Right. It was considered to be like too crazy for some. And then the people who would do it, they'd usually have a giant cowl. So like, I didn't have great opinions of these trucks. I was like, oh man, they all, they all look crappy when they're done. But then I started seeing people doing it better, people building cross members, people doing all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, oh, these trucks are actually pretty cool. And I started aligning myself with the 81 to 87s because that's my mom's generation of trucks. That's also, I prefer that style front end. I, I, I don't right. as much like the... The, the, the round headlamp. Yeah, it's, it's not my bag. Um, and so I started gravitating towards those trucks. And I think that's the other reason too why me and Ronnie have talked about this a bunch. I love 88 to 98 Chevy trucks. That's when I was in high school. Those trucks were big in high school. That hit, that was such a different, that was such a radical departure. Mm -hmm. But then I mean, you go, how many years of that same body stuff? I think they could have done anything in a way. Oh yeah, kind of yeah, hit. 14 years of that first, that first generation, yeah. And so, or of the, the square bodies. And in 88 to 98, I had a 95 that I really liked and I sold for way too little. And ever since I've been chasing that, I've been going, I need to get another 95. 95 specifically too it's like joe with the 73 right oh, everything's got to be exactly right and so my 95 the reason for that is 95 so i think 94 was when they changed the dash but 94 and 95 are the only two years that don't have a passenger airbag so in 96 they have like a hump and then a dip in the middle and then another hump for the airbag they have a pocket for cups on the side 
Now it's a useless pocket. You can't put a cup right. in there. Not while you're driving. But it's still a cool, I, I think it's a cooler looking dash. Cool feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a better looking dash. And then the um, uh, the other thing is it's a TBI. So it's pre-Vortec, uh, which um, I like and I don't like. But still, it's like that window. So um, that's that's why in 95 specifically. Oh, and the newer front end. Right on. Yeah, that's why I prefer that. And I prefer the GMC technically, but you know, you can put that if you want to do a truck, it's no big deal. I think that we're not too far apart. Like, I'm, I'm 47. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're right in that same age bracket. And uh, David Engel from Engel Brothers Fabrication, mm -hmm. like, we were having a talk just the other day on the phone where we were trying to figure out who's going to be the first person to make a newer style TPI looking intake, mm -hmm. like the LS swaps. Mm -hmm. and we got all into this whole conversation. And we stopped and we're going, why do we care? Yeah. Like, because that was the coolest thing ever. If you popped a hood and you had done a swap and you had a TPI motor in your car. Yeah, you had an LT1. Surprise that hasn't or come back like around. That. You know? Yeah, LT1s were a TPI, right? LT, yeah, LT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember buying an LT1 from a buddy of mine once. I never did anything with it. Turned around and sold it. Um, but I wanted it real bad at the time. <laughs> I remember going, oh, this would be great. And I had two trucks with LS engines. I just didn't realize what I had at the time. I had a 4.8 and I had a, another one with a... No, the other one was something different, but I had a 4.8, really liked it. So it's it's why I went back to Chevy trucks with this most recent one because I was like, well, I know these motors are bulletproof. So, you know, just it. start with that and I can kind of, everything's downhill from there. So, yeah. Nuts. Yeah. That's funny. That's, yeah, so I wonder if our, you know, this generation's going to look back if, you know, I doubt that the LS is going to be anything like the TPI was for us. It's going to be, I think, just like a small block. But I bet that kids who are growing up today, or kids who are in their twenties right now, will look at like the LS swap as their, you know, they're putting a three fifty and whatever, or That's something. It's so you know, the sixteen hundred or eighteen hundred motor in a VW type thing. Yeah, because I mean, I was talking to Sam about it this morning, right? We were talking about uh, five point um, about the kind of motors you can build just off a of stock, and he said Hot Rod or one of the magazines did. Uh, a build up on a 5.3 where they put all this stuff in to try to see what they had to do before they could blow out the bottom end. And they ended up at a thousand horsepower on this motor before they blew out the bottom end. And then they tore it apart to see if they could figure out where the failure was. And they learned it was actually a 4.8 that they had. Jeez. And I think people are sleeping on those 4.8 motors. I think those 4.8s, because they're not, you know, they're not sexy like a six liter or 5.3, but you can get them cheap. And and at the end of the day, you still got. I mean, look, I'm I'm not a huge horsepower guy. I you know I I want to have three four hundred horsepower and whatever I'm driving. But that's what all you need. Yeah, I I don't I don't need seven hundred. You know, I'm waiting for the hate mail from that too. That's all well, you need. So. Well, I mean, look for me uh, for me personally, I've had those kind of vehicles and I've been through that part of my life. And now I think about you know uh, there was a window in my life where I was a mag an editor of a motorcycle magazine, and I started getting into motorcycles. And one of the, the members of the group said, look, you have, and my daughter was like six months old at the time. He's like, look, got young kids. Don't do it. Don't get into this stuff. Just watch from afar, do what you need to do, but don't start riding. And I started thinking about that with higher horsepower stuff and all that. I'm like, look, I don't want to put something into, a, into an embankment. I got kids who are relying on me. I'd rather, you know, rather have my three, 400 horsepower. It's just fine. You know, for me, I know it's not for everybody. But for me, that's fine. Every day I'm amazed. I go out and kind of like the car's got a warranty. I, I drive a 400 plus horsepower car every day. I remember building my first car and that sucker, you know, having that over 400 horsepower, it was almost undrivable. Mm -hmm. It would load up at traffic lights. It sucked. Mm -hmm. I get into this thing. I literally push a button and I take off. Yeah. And I don't think about it. And yeah. I'm like, and it's that much. And it's, but yet then you get, well, why didn't you get a Hellcat? Mm -hmm. Well, A, I have a house to pay for you yeah. know if I, if I could live in the hellcat yeah I, I might think about it but like they start thinking 700 plus horsepower and every week there's some guy new online who's got you know oh, we just got 1100 horsepower out of it we got mm -hmm. 1350 and you're going where would you ever use it well the the argument for me the more horsepower you're putting on the more likely you are to break it and so you've dumped a bunch of money into it to begin with and now you're going to be continually dumping money into it uh, you know, I like to cruise my stuff, but really I'll do the occasional burnout, 
But I don't have like a reason to put together a whole bunch of horsepower. You're not running at the track every week trying to no. you know bust last week's time. So no, that's... no, no. Yeah, and I had friends who do that, and I remember, remember back in the import days, I had a buddy with a four door Civic. I think it was a '92, and he put a hundred shot of nitrous on it, and he was going to California for a show. Decided to hit it, leaving one of the stops, and put his you know put his piston through the block, you know. But back then. That was, you know, that was a totally, people were figuring out Civics, like they're figuring out LSs now and figuring out other stuff. And um, I just never, I was like, that's a lot of money for something that I drive every day. Because I still drove my Civic all the time. I didn't have like a spare car for the longest time. And, you know, I, I, I think, I think that's the difference. If it's not your driver, you put as much horsepower in you want, take it down the street once or twice, whatever, whatever makes you happy. For me, it's the build. It's working on suspension stuff. It's making it low. It's making it drag. That's the stuff that, that gets me up in the morning when I'm working on a car. Right so, on. Yeah. man. So, what what does the future hold? If what do you, what do you see? I love asking this question. You pull out your own crystal ball. I love this. You do I somehow tax time. It's more fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the scene goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think we're starting to, I think the patina thing may be starting to die down a little bit. I think it's still got its place, but it's harder and harder to find decent trucks like that. My 81 at home is uh, is a patina truck, and that's why I bought it. I drove out to Stockton to buy it for 1500 bucks. Wow. It's also got a crease down the side, and the emblem is split on the passenger side, and it swings on both, and I love it. As horrible That's as it cool is, cool things to keep. Right, as I would horrible, never change that. No, I mean the crease, the passenger door opens just fine, but it's got a little crease in the fender and stuff. I love how screwed up it is. I love that it's just this pile of crap. But I also know that at some point, patina is not going to be that cool anymore, and people are going to be going back to painting or whatever. And I think we're starting to get onto that. The problem with, I think, the reason why we've had this backlash is it is really expensive to paint a car nowadays. And you've got to decide whether or not you want to buy a new car or paint the old one. And then you got to find a good painter. And then you got to make sure that they're not going to keep that car for a year or two years or whatever. And so it becomes really stressful. So I think the patina thing may start fading away. I think it will always have a place now that it has been established. I think so. I think it's going to be the right vehicle. I think it's going to be stuff that's got a little bit of history to it mm-hmm. or tells a story. Right. Like, uh, like um, Sam has his Palo Verde truck. Right, which is you know shot all over it and you know looks kind of kind of funky. That thing looks like like hell mm-hmm. parked in somebody's garage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but it's cool, right? Because right. there's a story behind that truck, and that's neat. Right, and my truck, my '81, has has like patina at the top of the doors, but nowhere else. Like like it's on the hoods and the top of the doors, and you're like, how did that happen? How did the top of the doors like like literally it is brown rust looking color at the top of the doors and then right above the body line it's the nice you know faded kind of black i wonder if there's a problem with like you know the fan spray pattern at the factory that well well okay so here's my theory i think that truck was repainted because it looks like it was done with lacquer on the hood okay because it's cracking um the my my 82 was exactly the same mm -hmm. way it was just the hood Mm -hmm. nowhere else and well doing these books i learned a lot more about paint than i ever thought i would so i know that lacquer has to be really maintained and if you don't maintain it it will crack and it will dry out something i had no idea about before i started them but uh the bottom also has like a white stripe and then it's got a sticker around it that was really cool so um it's got a really unique patina. i drove to stockton to buy it because i knew that trucks in the bay area have like a very unique kind of look to them right. and Stockton's not it Stockton's pretty far inland but this truck this truck that I have uh so <laughs> it was built at the plant right next to the bay it spent its entire life within a hundred miles of where it was built that's really cool until me so I took it <laughs> I took it out of its home and then I parked it um but I think I anyways to go back to the question I think the patina will start to start to dip down a little bit I think it'll always have its place and um, what I'd like to say, I mean, look, I, there was a window where show cars were really, you know, full-blown show, show vehicles were a thing. And I think we're starting to see more and more of that stuff. And I, I appreciate it. I do. Just think, but that's at that point, too, where, like, I, I'm fortunate enough I get to work at that end. That high end is really fun. It's scary, too. Like, it's, it's kind of hard to explain to someone 
you know, like a lot of guys out there go, man, it's so crazy to build, to build a million dollar car. You, mm-hmm. know? you could swallow a million dollars on a car literally in an afternoon if you wanted to. When you go, oh, yeah. Paint on that car, 100 grand easy. That's just get your foot in the door. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like make or somebody like but that. But what do you do with that, though? This is where I really, and it's kept me up at night. I've laid there at night rethinking my life, like going, where do you go? Once you've done kind of the Riddler stuff, there's nowhere to go. And it's hard. It's really difficult. This would be a great conversation sometime. Oh, we'll just do it now. Um, you get into this, this weird zone where you start to work on a project, especially when you're working at the high-end stuff. Like mm-hmm. I get to cool, cool stuff like uh, JF. JF Launier is a really good friend of mine. We do some cool cars. We got a great one on the board right now that's so far out in left field. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about it off air. Yeah, yeah. It's a great car. I'm looking so forward to this. And I haven't felt that way about a car in a long time. You get jaded to it. And Brad and I have had this talk because Brad gets a stripe. You know, these cars are getting ready to go for, you know, Riddler Show and AMBR. And you go, you get jaded. You start looking at things. You go, yeah, great. You, you, you milled the entire frame from one block of billet. <laughs> and. Right. And I feel bad about it because I got to that point where I wanted to appreciate little. I really, I, I get more appreciation like if you say, "Oh, I've got this this emblem on my truck and it's it's broken half and it's swinging." I want to see that because that to me is the coolest thing. Yeah, there's history. There's something happened at some mm-hmm. point. There's a story, which is why I like the patina stuff. And I feel like for me personally, stuff like that just I want to drive what I build. And I have built cars. My Civic was one of them. Where even though I drove it, it made me nervous. It made me stress out because all the was, work you have into it. Yeah. It's everything you have. Right. And then I literally had it all die in front of me. You know what I mean? Like I was worried all the time I get a door ding and then I roll it and the car's total. I and and so it, it ended up in a junkyard in Blythe and I was told by my insurance company I could pull all my parts off of it as long as it rolled. I spent six years building that car. I took six hours to take it apart. And you know, that's the side nobody, I think people are afraid to talk about it. It's that weird, I'm going to jinx myself thing. Yeah. I did that too. I did that the one I was like, man, I made it 15,000 miles, never got a ding. And driving down the 101, out to see my girlfriend. Yeah. I get a, it was a landscaping truck in front of me, dropped a rake. Oh. The rake got hit by a car. Me, I had nowhere to go. I was like, here it comes. Hopefully it doesn't go through the transmission pan or anything stupid like that. Sure enough, it hit the front wheel. Kicked it up into the door, takes uh, off the bottom of the door and the rocker, and I go. What so, were you? What were you gonna do? Yeah. I just kept thinking all that time. I was going. I gotta park this car so it doesn't get a ding. I was like, looking back on it, the ding would be so much better to take. Yeah. And it's a weird perspective thing. I think. Yeah. That's what cars are great for. That's perspective. Well, and it's but six years versus six hours. Well, yeah, and it's and it's it's also going back to the history thing that you're talking about. I do like that about cars. So there was a. a Guy I knew named Courtney Hallowell. He used to be the editor right of Street Trucks and stuff, right? And um, uh, he he is the guy who gave me my first real break because when uh, my Civic was done, we took it to the Severed Ties show, and uh, he approached me saying, you know, hey, I've got a card here, and you know, we're starting this import magazine. We'd like to shoot it, and it would be great. And then eventually, you know, we became buddies and whatever. I was at his house in California about a year before he passed, and we were talking about, um, I forget what car it was, we were talking about somebody's car, and or one of his cars, and I said, man, aren't you worried about selling that? Like, doesn't that like kind of bother you or whatever, that somebody else is going to drive your thing? He's like, man, we're just custodians for these things. They're always going to be somebody else's. They started as somebody else's. They're going to end as somebody else's. That's okay. I had, ne- like, that blew my mind. It's like, God damn it, you're Hey, Courtney. Like, yeah, of course. You got to be real zen about it. You know, my, so I've got a 2019 out there, right? Nobody's driven that thing but me and people at the dealership. And it came from Henderson, Nevada. That alone is a part of a story. But someday I'll sell it or I'll give it to my, my kids or something. They'll drive it. And who knows? Maybe they'll drive it for a long time. They'll get raise their, their kids. That truck might go on to either one of their kids or gets sold off and some guy's going to take it, dump it in the weeds or do something cool on it. And now, how funny would that be? You know, 20 years down the road, that truck's got that history. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. There's, maybe there's a one and done being done someplace where... Yeah, they're they're building 19 Silverados. They're going, look at these old <laughs> trucks. Yeah, like 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 my 81 being built in that, you know, 100 mile square radius. How crazy is that shit? Like, it's, it's, 
it's insane. So but I, that's the thing that started to appeal to me was the story of the truck, was the history of where these things came from and what they are. Talking to Joe about it when he first started, you know, doing stuff with the magazines, talking about his comfort food comparison and how these trucks are, you know, that for him. That's why he loves 73s, not 74s. He'll own them, don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's all about 73s. And, you know, that's what it is for me. It's those stories. That's what I enjoy. Yeah. That's the stuff I love. This is thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, no problem, man. I want to have you back on if you, if you want to. I'd love to touch base now and then. And I'd really like to dig in. You bring it up, Courtney. Yeah, that guy. And you kind of hit on the head too. He he's kind of like the Zen master of the whole thing. That I don't think. Oh, back to the mini truck days with Camber and stuff like that. I don't think there's anybody you can talk to who a wasn't influenced by him, wasn't helped by him, didn't get their start through him. Totally selfless guy. Totally like, selfless guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he helped me out every time he could. Anytime I could help him out, as a result, I would. I mean, it wasn't there wasn't much I could do for him really, but I would. Right. Uh, yeah. No, he was a fantastic guy. I, I, you know, the world is is lessened by his loss. And um, and really, when people who I talk to don't know him, I'm like, oh, I feel bad. Like it's so silly. I'm like, yeah, I feel bad. Should have known him. Even if even if you never met him in person, you know, just one of those guys. Yeah, I remember going to his house. When I, when I went over there, and I was kind of in awe, right? Because this is a guy who was in mini trucking when I'm flipping through it at 16, right? He's the guy who's the editor, and I'm in his house in Temecula, and I'm like, you know, just crazy, like, like crazy things. I'm going to crash on Courtney's couch. Um, and uh, I don't, like, I'm married at the time. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm an adult. You like, feel like a kid, though. Again. Yeah, I did. You meet one of your heroes, and... And, and so he had this computer, right? He had this 12-inch MacBook. And I remember it uh, being a big deal because I had always lusted after that computer. It was like a mid-2000s titanium MacBook. And so I was like, oh, man, someday I'd love to have that computer. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, it doesn't really work great for this or it doesn't really work great, great for that. But then I thought, I go, think about all the stuff he wrote on that. Think about all the stories that came out onto that laptop. That's a piece of history right there. When he passed, I, I got close with his mom, and I asked, I was like, look, I'll buy it from you. You tell me what your number is. Is there a way I could get that laptop? She's like, oh, his girlfriend took it, and she, she wants it. And I'm like, okay, you're totally cool. I totally get it. I just wonder, something like that, why don't we have, we really don't have, especially for this segment, there's not a national museum. No. We, we Honestly, this, this is a hobby that needs one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and Peterson doesn't really cover it for this kind of stuff. No, I mean, yeah, yeah you've got the Peterson, you've got, okay, Daryl Starbird has his own museum. That's more really weird custom stuff. Um, and that's a whole different group of people, but which I appreciate the hell out of because I grew yeah, up with sure. that stuff. But sure. is, there's not one for this whole side. And how cool would that be to have like a display where you've got that computer? I think about that a lot, too. I'm like, imagine, you know, you look back at guys that like you worship. I'm thinking like Steve Stanford. Yeah. To have just a cast off marker or a pencil. You're going, the stuff that came off of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's magic from that. I, I uh, my 13 inch MacBook Air, which I created most of that square body book on, my son has it now. And uh, when it is done, I will probably hang it somewhere. Like, like that'd that's be one of those cool things to have just. Yeah. I have old keyboards. For the same reason, I have really? this little collection of old keyboards, and I and what I did was I would take some painter's tape and I'd write, you know, retired on this date or whatever. But I, you know, I go through a keyboard and I'm like, I, you know, I paid for my son's first couple of years on this thing. This is a part of my history. I also have a little collection of, you know, old keys and stuff. Like I have the, I have the key from my Civic, which it, which has dirt on it, and I, and it's dirt from the desert out in the middle of Blythe. Man. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a piece of my history. I, I need to have this somewhere. And I don't want to be like a hoarder about it or anything, but they're the little Keep things that I can... Certain things? Yeah. Yeah, I got my license plate from random stuff, you know, things like that. I still have my first ever, uh, my Wacom tablet. Yeah. I, I kept that because so many cars came off of that. Mm -hmm. They wound up in magazines and went on to do things. And I kept it. I was just like, my kid, we're moving. He goes... Why do you have this? And I told him the whole story, and I said, "Flip it over." And on the back is all the cars that I had drawn on that thing. I kept this list of everything that made into a magazine or won something. I was like, that's really cool when you think about it. Yeah, 
I said, yeah, you don't have the, you know, some of the original sketches are gone because you turn mm -hmm. those over to the owners. But there's stuff like in the digital world, what do you keep? Yeah. Kept the stylus, which is completely worn away at the top from just, you know, days and days. And well, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I, getting really deep here. Uh, I think... I think about what I want to do just as a human being, right? What do I want? Everybody wants to make their little impact on the world. And in the grand scheme of things, none of it matters. You know, it, <laughs> we go 100 years from now, nobody gives a shit about me. But what I, what I like to think is that if I can make an impact with my kids, that's one thing. And if I can just have some little bit of evidence that I made, that I created some things in the world, that's good enough for me. Uh, Dino said to me when my square body book came out, he's like, Kevin, that's, that's forever. That's a book. That's a real thing. And that's forever. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of crazy because as a creative type, you know, it, as you know, especially when you're working in a digital medium, half the stuff I do goes out into the web. Half the stuff I do goes out into a word doc. It lasts 25 minutes out there somewhere. Your book though, it's a reference material. Sure, that's right. That can sit on a shelf somewhere. In fact, that's where you're my hero. I kind of wonder if it's on a shelf. I was going to say, I think I, I know Joe has a copy. I gave him one. It'd be even better if it's inside. It'd be really nice on you the know coffee what? table. It'd be even better if it was propping up a TV. <laughs> like there's a TV somewhere and it's crooked, and Joe's propped it up with my book. That'd be hilarious. Um, no, I, 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 it does. That, that to me has made, uh, that has made a difference, and. Uh, I remember when I was pitching the second, I was set, pitching the second book to the editor. He had an interest in. I had an interest in. I said, you know what? Look, I, I took a long time. I took too long to do that book. I said, but I've got a good portion of the other book done already. It'd be a real stepping stone. I said, you know, one book's pretty cool, but you know, it's even cooler is two books. And and it was that line from Facebook, uh, from the Facebook movie, right? The Social Network. Okay. You know, you know what's cool? No, you know, a million dollars is cool. You know what's really cool? A billion dollars. Because I'm not getting rich off these books by no means. And and so I have to do it for that satisfaction. I have to do it to be able to say lasting impact. I I so that I can say, look, I have always wanted to finish a book. I have finished a book. I have evidence of that. Now I can move on to whatever it happens to be. Right on. So. Awesome on you. Yeah, well, sure. Badass. I, we've got a whole different thing we're trying to set up where it involves, like, I wanted my legacy to be leaving something behind where you inspired kids to draw stuff. Yeah. We have this whole great plan where, you know, we're going to have to get somebody like John Jackson to do it, the guy who drives a million miles a year. But just get a couple, like, sprinter vans and go around and time this around, like, good guys' events where you know you're going to have the bigger builders in town and bring a bunch of cool cars to, like, a hospital. Or a homeless school, yeah. or a shelter, and bring these kids. Show them that there's something out there they can make an impact on, with and just a posters. pencil and piece of paper. Yeah, I do, I'm I'm a big comic book guy too, and I think about oh, that a too. lot. Yeah. Oh, dude, do we just become? Oh, dude, we we're became, best friends. We became buds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a big comic book guy, and so I have I have many an idea for an for a thing. And I was an art major my freshman year in college. Uh, I was not good, but I was a studio art major my freshman year. Um, and uh, I, I have many an idea for comic that I will talk to you about sometime. We need to have a talk. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, we're going to, what we'll do, dude, I've almost been up. Why don't we wrap this one up? Yeah. Yeah, it works for me. I want to have you back, though. Anytime. That'd be awesome. I yeah, want to really dig, in, I don't know, dive kind of deep into some stuff with you. Because I yeah. think a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, really pick your brain about the whole import thing when that was coming up. That's something I'd love to chronicle. Yeah. yeah. That's just a really neat a neat part of that was a fun part of the time. Yeah. thanks for joining us hey no problem man. thanks again for listening and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com if you'd like to we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook Instagram and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on youtube.com Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Trailer Tug. Please visit them at TrailerTug.com and learn more about the world's strongest trailer dolly. Our listeners receive 10% off their order when they use the discount code ROUND6 at checkout or when calling their order in. Thanks also to uh, Chip over at Hot Rod Central Louver Company. Uh, Chip is uh, another guy who's been with us uh, from the beginning. Great big supporter of us. 
and uh, gosh, and keeping Brad and uh, Alex looking good because there's minimal hope for me at this point. Uh, good products from CF Madelow, Haberdasher. Oh, I took your thunder, Brad. Take my word, man. Say it. I'm out. Haberdasher. <laughs> Haberdashery. Visit them. You can uh, you can click on uh, their link right from our homepage at round6pod.com. Uh, enjoy all their great products. Uh, soaps. If, for those of you guys have beards, if you need beer, I don't know, waxes, varnishes, finishes, whatever. They got everything. Whatever the heck you need to make yourself look like a man. Or a groomed man. 